0: of Hope is a podcast from New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on-site and online at 9.30 a.m., and you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Don brings us an Easter message from Mark 16, 1 through 8. Thank you, choir. Pray with me. Loving and gracious God, what a thrill. Thank you so much for calling me to New Hope Press for these seasons uh, that together we might reflect uh, on your word. We might try to grow in faith. We might see the new life amongst us, around us, uh, within us. Amen. He is risen. You heard this text out of Mark today, one of our earliest uh, gospels. It is the earliest gospel. There's one other resurrection account earlier than this that you never hear preached on. More on that in a minute. Did you notice anything peculiar about the Mark text today? Were you missing anyone from the resurrection account? Uh, Do you know that in academic circles, they actually talk about two traditions. One is the resurrection tradition where you have Jesus and the greeting. The other is the Empty tomb tradition, because in Mark, there's no Jesus. In Mark, they come, empty tomb, angel saying, uh, he's not here, go to Galilee. And uh, since in Greek, double negatives are allowed, it says, uh, and they said nothing to nobody, for they were afraid, and they ran away. Wow. What a peculiar, what a lame resurrection text. For Easter morning, we don't get the typical things. Here's a little uh, picture reminders. We've got the empty tomb in Mark. In Matthew, the angel greets the women and says a similar thing of, why are you here looking for a living among the dead? Go to Galilee. There you'll find him. Wonderful, wonderful. Love that text. Luke has a similar piece with some different women, but it's the women. And then um, he'll go to Galilee. I think Jesus actually appears briefly and just says, hello, I'm going. Actually, Jesus says, hello, go tell the disciples I'll see them in Galilee. Weird, weird. And then this gorgeous text of walking the road to Emmaus, which is about eight or nine miles from Jerusalem where he's crucified. Anytime that uh, Easter falls on a communion Sunday, you, as a pastor, you can't help it. You've got to preach Luke instead. They walk along. Jesus explains what's going on. Their eyes, their ears are open. They try to get him to stay. And then when he breaks bread, they see him for the first... Boy, that preaches itself. What a great text. Luke's Emmaus Road and the communion service. And then John, if you recall, has a really strange, goofy uh, foot race between John and Peter that's interrupted by Mary herself. This is my favorite resurrection text, actually. The scene right outside in Jerusalem, outside the tomb itself, Mary in grief asking, hey, where have you taken his body? I can go do what I need to do. And when he says her name, whew, this, I can never preach this one well because if I, always think, I always think this. If I had all the money in the world and I was going to make one, one movie of the Bible, I'd say I'll, you can have whatever creative license you want, but we got to get John 20 right. we got to get the one scene and there's only one line I care about. Uh, it's Rabbuni. Uh, Rabbi is teacher. Rabuni is uh, teach or prof it's very folksy and intimate. There's nothing better in the whole book in front of your pew than Mary turning and saying, Rabuni, um, boy, what a moment. It's the most, my favorite resurrection text. Not this year. Not this year. See, you get your permanent pastor next year and they can choose where they want to preach today. We're doing Mark. By the way, if these resurrection accounts intrigue you, especially the earliest one uh, from Paul that I almost guarantee none of you have heard before, let alone heard preached or taught. We're going to start looking at that later this month, a Bible study 1045 to 1130. We'll look at all five resurrection slash empty tomb texts. For the most uh, experienced Christian here, you'll say, I can't believe this is in the Bible. You'll say, it's only the central doctrine of my faith, and I didn't know what was here. Um, For newcomers, it would be a great way to have a biblical foundation for what this is all about. But today, just the empty tomb and women running because they're so afraid. What we see, frankly, not to spill too many beans for later on this month, is a coloring up of the resurrection story. If you think, well, that's a lame resurrection story, you're not alone. <laughs> Early church thought the same thing. How are we going to make disciples when the women race away terrified and say nothing to nobody? We can do, we can do better than that, can't we? Hence, Matthew, Luke, John, Gospel of Peter, even, uh, apocryphals, so even stranger. How do we get more light? You know what this is like? back to high school, college, your early apartment days, your house. Raise your hand if you ever had, like I had, a stereo and your records on a cinder block with shelves and all stacked up. Good. Oh, good, good, my brothers and sisters are here. This is when you'd go over to your friend's dorm room and you'd be flipping through and, and they say, oh, have you heard this? You're in the good old days looking at LPs. Uh, and you're saying, what is this? And it's your favorite group. But it's an earlier recording. Wait, what the heck? There's a different guitar player. And they say, no, you're going to love this. It's a little edgier. They're not quite as polished. It's the equivalent of this. Many Beatles fans here, I bet. If you've ever heard recordings of them in the Cavern Club, 1962-63, before they were found... They're in Hamburg, Germany. It's where, by all, all their own admissions, it's where they became a rock group because they had to play like three sets a night from 9 o'clock till 2 in the morning, that kind of thing. Um, they didn't make much money, but they got their act together. And when you see pictures or hear the recordings, uh, you get Paul's distinct voice, although a little thinner, a little younger, right? Right? Uh, you get George's guitar lines on, what is that guitar he's playing? But it sounds like George Harrison's solos. It's good stuff. John making his smart aleck comments in between the pieces. All there. And, of course, Ringo just in the back doing whatever drummers do just back there. You know, where's John? Yeah, whatever drummers do just back there making it, um, keeping it good. In the same way, I'm no Elvis fan, uh, um, but i got to say, the Beatles all were Elvis fans, and so that's what made me go towards Elvis. And when you get back to the, is it the Sun record recordings, when it's, they're all gathered around one old microphone, guitars, voices, and it's scratchy, it feels like it's recorded on wax cylinders or something, and you think, oh, 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 I get it. I can hear it in his voice why he was compelling. That mix of, uh, frankly, uh, spiritual religion and sexuality. There's Elvis, Right? right? Um, That's where we are. This is the sermon today. Mark in 70, not 85 like Matthew, Luke, not 90 like John. It's a little rough. I'm not sure it's ever going to be our favorite, but you recognize and you think, oh, there's some quality here. This is the story that started it all. This is the roots. Uh, This is the raw version. Rock and roll, frankly, is a history of Successively improving, remastering, honing, making more polite, making more palatable uh, for the masses, right? And so it's not just the Beatles. By the time we got in the late 60s, the Beatles were doing their studio masterpiece of Dr. Pepper. By the time we got in the 70s, some of the greatest recordings that ever happened in studios with tons of layering, redos, honing back in the control room culminating in this is some of my favorites on screen here um 1977 steely dan's asia you didn't know you're going to hear this today did you you thought this is just a regular the one of the finest recordings ever not a note out of place not a cymbal hit not a guitar string every vocal perfect every key absolutely beautiful my favorite pieces my favorite art And then some said, but is it rock and roll, right? The meaning of punk, lower left, The Clash, and many others was, we don't need to be pretty. We're getting back to the basics. I can't even play guitar that well, but I know how to turn it up to 11. Here we go. And the heart of rock and roll, this is the meaning of punk that became the 80s uh, equally loud power chords, but a little more polished, right? Right? The big anthems, the hair metal bands that became in the 80s bigger, louder, more hip, um, similarly polished and perfect that led again to the 90s, lower rights of, no, what we really want to get back to is just one guy with a guitar singing depressing songs that come from the heart, right? <laughs> this, this cycle goes over and over again in our musical history and even in the individual uh, Careers of many artists. You think of Springsteen's Nebraska or something. And they say, I've lost something. Uh, this, this is a story of producers as much as it is songwriters and musicians. And the reaction to that of saying, I want a stripped down version. All the MTV unplugged. All your favorite artists who sooner or later say, no, 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 no. I've had enough. I'm changing producers. I'm changing studios. Um, here is just me. Me and my piano, me and my guitar. Mark left a little something to be desired. You could find this in your pew in front of you if you're interested because you might not believe this. Uh, there's a tag-on ending, so abrupt that they came and said, we've got to fix this uh, in the mixing studio later on because those vocals are out of tune. And we're get- Someone came along and wrote this. By the way, nobody thinks Mark wrote this really it's in your bible and all that had been commanded them they told briefly to those around peter you can hear the argument here no they they did tell guess what because if they didn't tell what's the problem how how would we be here how would we know so obviously they did tell in spite of what happened in the previous verse. They told briefly to those who are not Peter, and afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Boy, there's about four words in that sentence that Mark has never used in this whole book. The syntax, the order is all different. It's way too polished. This was done by like a Presbyterian pastor or something. I want to sound, or it was done by a Los Angeles producer who said, uh, nice singing, but if we do this, if we remaster the whole thing, if we boost the bass, all your remasters, all they're doing is boosting the bass. EQing things a little differently so every little instrument can come out. Compressing the heck out of it. So that means all the rough edges on the loudest high end you compress. So then you can make everything louder, which is going to make it sound better when you're blasting it in your car next to me at the stoplight. I'll go, oh, that's what that is. That's the history of music in the last 20, 30, 40 years, right? We can improve it, make it more palatable, make it more instantly recognizable, Christianity has done the same thing. Gospel writers did the same thing. How can we color up this text? The longer ending goes on, uh, by the way, to talk to basically quote sections of John and Luke and Matthew, which is how they know it couldn't have been Mark. Mark's in 70. The other ones aren't until 10 and 20 years later. This add-on ending must have come in the 2nd century sometime. And then, of course, some of the most embarrassing, and this is really saying a lot, some of the most embarrassing verses in all of judeo-christianity stuff about snakes and poison do you know this go go home later amuse your friends around the easter table today and say you know we're supposed to be doing if we're faithful we should be handling snakes and not getting bit and we should be drinking poison and be unaffected yeah great now you know why you've never heard this passage (laughs) preached before we avoid it Uh, it's tacky and weird it's not mark it's in your bible do you know that in the original t- manuscripts, by the way, a lot of the copyists would put a stamp. We, we heard from Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 8a, the verse splits, and they'll put a wax stamp or something because they all knew. Now, I didn't drop the book. They, they said nothing to anyone for they were so afraid. Actually, the last word in that sentence in Greek is for. Greek can move words around. You still know what's going on. Uh, They were afraid, and running from the tomb, they said nothing for. It's so abrupt that early on we said, are we missing another sheet here or something? Did the copyists get bored and check out? No, the copyists were saying, this is how I received it. This is the original text. It's this abrupt. It's this strange. Um, This rough uh, version. When we read Mark, uh, like Tracy did so well this morning, we're waiting for the punchline. They said nothing to nobody, and they run away. And we think, how will people know about resurrection if they didn't tell anybody? What put yourself in uh, in year seventy when Mark's been released? What will happen These women, they know what's up, they know about resurrection, but they're not going to tell any, what? How will the good news of Jesus Christ uh, live anywhere? I'm convinced Mark knew exactly what he was doing and didn't drop his pen, (laughs) didn't forget to tell something. I'm convinced it's a literary device. He wants to pull you in to say, I guess I better tell. The women were too afraid. I'm not going to be too afraid. I know what's up. I know the new life in Jesus Christ. I guess I better tell. Um, I'd go so far as to say this. Since we're just in Mark, since we're just in Sun Studios in 1955, Unless you tell, resurrection doesn't happen. There's the sermon this morning. No living Jesus, dead or in a doornail. Unless you tell. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, that's outrageous. There must have been an event 2,000 years ago that's separate from me. I, we could talk about that. In practical terms, for your spouse, for your kids and grandkids, your neighbors, all your work associates, all your friends, unless you tell about the goodness of Jesus Christ, he's just as well dead back in the tomb. It never happened. They won't know. Unless you decide to be a little more brave and tell the story. Here's something also before we close. A weird piece about resurrection that I never hear mentioned, and it's throughout, uh, throughout the tales. What are you doing here? It's in Jerusalem. What are you doing here? He's going before you to Galilee. Now, if you've ever been to Galilee, it's about 30 miles from Jerusalem. A nice little touristy bus ride they take you up, and you wind up through the hills to go up to Jerusalem. Having been, if you've been to the Holy Land, no doubt in Galilee, around the lake, walking where Jesus walked. What does this mean? Crucified here, raised, what? They take him to downtown Denver. That's where the courthouse is. That's where all uh, the legal offices are. That's where the capital is. That's where the crowds gather around Hosanna, Hosanna, he's here, he's in downtown Jerusalem, all the power sources, all the news networks. And then a few days later, crucify him, crucify him. And they do, and it's horrible, and they bury him by the bus station in Denver. And Easter morning, we go down, and he's gone. And the message is, uh, 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 he's resurrecting, you'll find him back in Castle Rock. What? He's not here. You find him back in Castle Rock. Does he know about that construction that's never going to end on 85? (laughs) How's he going to get here? (laughs) Uh, Pastor Don, what's the most challenging thing about your time at New Hope? Getting home Wednesday nights after choir, hoping I can find my way back to 470 on construction paths, It's this crazy thing. No one talks about it because it's upsetting, because it has direct implications for what is the nature of resurrection that he was killed there and raised here. Raised back in your common life. You can do this sermon yourself. Raised where you will be back at work, back at your dinner table, back in your neighborhood. Jesus is crucified by the state and he lives again, if you're brave enough to tell it, uh, in your neighborhood. That's Mark's immediacy, Mark's challenge uh, to you and me. I'm no, I'm no Taylor Swift fan, forgive me. I like, like it all right. I've heard some interesting things, heard uh, powerful, danceable, good stuff. I mean, the hottest thing on the planet right now, entertainment-wise great stuff. I heard, do you know what a desktop concert is? If you ever see these, um, go look on YouTube, any of your favorite artists who come into a stripped-down version and sit at a keyboard with 30 people on iPhones, uh, journalists around, taking pictures. Just Taylor, just her guitar, just an upright, okay acoustic piano. And my thought was, um, not a great voice, a, a good voice, That's been fixed up a lot in the studio. Don't we all want that? Not a great guitar player. There's a way better guitar player right here. A good guitar player. Not not a great piano player. A good piano player. Trust me, I know about being not a great piano player. A good piano player. I know the difference. And then I heard her sing... No bells, whistles, nothing but her, and I thought, oh, I I get it, I get it. The soul, it's her stories, it's what she's written, it comes from the heart. The other things were, frankly, accoutrements and distractions. I got why Taylor Swift, and then everything else starts making sense. Musical illustration from more than 30 years ago? Check. How about that? <laughs> when you take yourself seriously as the only witness your friends will have to the raised Lord, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I have a hard time tuning my B string on the guitar. Oh, I crack when my voice goes above D. I know what you're thinking. My testimony is imperfect. It's not, it's, there's, there's others who are better equipped. To which we say, um, maybe, but they're not there. It's only you. In closing, um, <laughs> in closing, I think we should practice saying, hey, hey, honey, here's something weird. I, I don't know, we've we, we, we got to let go of, I've got a theological truth to pass on to you. <laughs> I think maybe... Hey, here's some Because you have this happen, don't you? When, you're, when your iPhone's on shuffle and you're in the car and whatever song comes on happens to match with the scene from the mountains and you don't even know why you're crying. You don't even know why you're cr- and overwhelmed. And you look out and say, you might, you might slip and say, thank you, God. Right? The Spirit moves where it will. No one knows where it comes from or where it's going. And the joy comes over me and I suddenly think, oh, Thank you, God. And then I tell no one. It's too weird. It's just a song. You're having a talk with a friend, and you're explaining about your kids who are not developing the way you thought they should in their 20s, 30s, what, 60s? Does it change? I don't know. We'll talk later. Um, And suddenly you think, no, 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 uh, no, they haven't come to ask me for money for six months. Or you think, maybe they are getting their stuff together, and you think, this is not how I wanted it to go or thought, but, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. You're, you're working out in the yard, and then you tell no one. You're working out in the yard, and you have gratitude for the place you've got with your spouse, and you know it's God you know it's God, it would be too corny to tell your wife, hey, I, t- you, today I just knew that I was... Maybe we should practice saying, honey, here's something weird. Here's something, here's something weird, honey. I was watching the news the other day, and you know I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow because all that junk she sells has got to be corrupt, and That is not good. And then she was sued by this guy skiing in this accident, and then at the court when she won, rather than a victory lap, did you see this last week? She comes by the guy, leans over, and you're thinking, here we go, and she says, I wish you well. <laughs> I had to put my phone down And think, well, thank you, God. Maybe there is grace in the world after all. Wow. Thank you, God, for opening up this hard heart and showing me the beautiful things that let me know you are alive. We have these intimations, these secrets, and we're like women running from the tomb. We should find a way to tell one another. We should find, hey, here's... here's. It's just a guess that God's active and God's alive, that even in our world with warfare and the political division, we have a sense of, no, I think there's something resurrected here. I think there's hope somehow, even though it doesn't make any sense, and I'm launching into a non-sequitur because I was just complaining about work or relationship, but then I get this this sense of, and maybe we need to just, maybe we need to learn to just Put put the coffee mug down. And the phone down. And lean across, or just quietly turn to her. And say, "He He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.